Hello, everyone, and welcome to The After Show, a podcast related to all things Jeopardy. I am your host, Jarek Bruel, and joining me today are two former Jeopardy champions, Kristen Donegan, who finished as a semifinalist in the Jeopardy National College Championship, or JNCC for short, and her sister, Kira Donegan, a one-day Jeopardy champion in Season 38. When it comes to winnings, Kristen earned the semifinalist prize of $20,000, while Kira earned a total of 29601 The following conversation will include spoilers for both the JNCC and Kira's episodes, so if you haven't watched the Donegan sisters in action, I suggest you watch their episodes first and listen to this podcast later. We hope you enjoy this episode of The After Show. All right, why don't we start with introductions, your name and how you finished on Jeopardy. Hi, um, I'm Kristen Donegan. I was representing Carnegie Mellon in the Jeopardy National College Championship. I won my quarterfinal, but then I lost my semifinal in a tiebreaker. Hi, my name is Kira Donegan. I was on just regular syndicated Jeopardy. I played on March 24th and I won that first game before then losing in my second game. Awesome. Now, for those who don't know, Kristen and Kira are twins, so it would be a shame if I got through this podcast episode without first asking, who was born first? Me. I I am nine minutes older. Nine minutes older. Okay, okay. Were you born in the morning, evening? Uh, It's like 1 something p.m., right, Kira? Like early afternoon, I think. Yeah. Early afternoon. All right. We don't have it memorized. I feel like most people... At least twins do know it. I, I have it memorized. You do? Yeah. One uh, forty-seven p.m. for me. Well, you were, you were vague and you said early afternoon, so I thought <laughs> you didn't know. <laughs> well, I'm glad we got that clarified. Um, I wanted to confirm if you two currently hold the record for the shortest amount of time between two siblings appearing on Jeopardy. And with the surface level of research I did before speaking with you today, I think that might be the case. The closest siblings I could find were Ariana and Larissa Kelly, who appeared on the syndicated show 111 days apart from each other in 2008. Kristen and Kira, you two appeared 37 days apart from each other's first episodes, which leads me to ask, should we expect any more Donegan family members on the show soon? I, um, I'm probably not able to reveal that. You know, I don't want to hurt anyone's chances of getting on the show by like revealing if they're like how they are doing and trying out. Okay, so moving on. So usually when I have guests on the show, I like to start with the present by talking about everyone's watch party experience and then sort of work backwards and talk about the journey of getting onto Jeopardy. I'd like to start with you, Kira, since your episodes aired most recently. What was your watch party experience like? You mentioned on the show that you're a student at the University of Maryland at College Park. So did you have a campus watch party with your friends or did you keep it more low key with just your family? Yeah, so I was actually on spring break when my episode aired, so I couldn't really do any kind of campus watch party. Um, I actually found out from one of my professors that like on Friday before spring break ended, he was talking with people about like if I had won again on Friday, he was talking about getting a watch party on Monday (laughs) if I was still on the show. Um, So that would have been fun. But yeah, since I was on spring break, we held a watch party Um, It was actually the same place that we held Kristen's for like people in the area. So Kristen wasn't actually at that watch party we had for her, Um, but it was at this like bar in the area. Uh, We had a lot of like my parents, friends and coworkers, uh, family members. And then I had some of my, my own college friends come up, but yeah, so we had a kind of big party for my first episode. Uh, You know, there was 
only like a day's notice for my second episode so we had a much smaller thing i actually just watched it at home with my parents and then had like a zoom call with a couple friends where i hopped in during like the commercial breaks to talk about it as a follow-up did your friends know Kristen was previously on the show not too long ago and if so was there some expectation that you'd either do as well or win more games than her yeah so i uh, told them about it. Most of my like college friends, they've never met her, so they knew she was on, and some of them did watch. Like, but... I've met like half of your friends, I think. I guess. I mean, I, mean, I, have, I have more friends than just the ones you've met. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they really had an opinion on if they thought I'd do better or worse than her. One of my friends like told me, and and I like, I did not reveal anything to her, but she said she thought I wouldn't win. Another no. <laughs> friend actually said she thought that I would win like one game and then probably not win another. So she got it right. But I, I think I did my best to like keep a, a poker face and not reveal anything about how I did. Um, I had like the opposite where the in like class the day my first episode aired, people were saying to me like, oh, Chris, we like bet you're going to win. And I'm like, I can't say anything. <laughs> Now, Kristen, I think when your episodes aired, you held two on-campus watch parties at Carnegie Mellon, one for your quarterfinal and one for your semifinal. Is that correct? Yeah, um, I was able, it was hard. It was a little hard, for, like the university, they had a little bit of trouble getting something together for the second one, because not only was it last a little last minute, it was also a Friday. And like, I think like Friday, after Friday at five, like the cost to the university of hosting something like that goes up by a lot. But they did manage to pull it off. So yeah, I, it was the same like room. It's, I believe it's the biggest auditorium on campus. And yeah, we rented it out for both nights. Yeah, that was actually going to be like the second part to my question. When Liz was on the show last episode, she mentioned that her finale watch party was open to the entire student body. Some who didn't even know what was going on, but came anyway for the free food. Was your watch party a similar case or did you just book a room and invite whoever wanted to come through and support you? It was similar, but we did not have free food, sadly. Uh. Ooh. I think if, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe if I made it to the finals, they would have won all out, but they did not. Too bad. That. Free food is a great way to get college students to come I to something. I was still surprised by how many strangers came. Like, it was weird. Like, some of, some of my, like, close friends, you know, were, like, were busy. Like, one of them had, an, um, one of my friends had a night class during my first episode, so she couldn't come. But then, like, random strangers I did not know at all came. So I guess they were just, like, into Jeopardy. I was just surprised by how many people I'd like never seen before were there. Moving on from watch parties, I want to take you both back in time from my next question, which is a short and simple one. Why Jeopardy? Were you always a curious student? Do you have a history in competitive trivia? Tell us essentially when your quest for knowledge began. I mean, I think both of us will probably have pretty similar answers to this, which is, uh, I mean, we've always been fans of trivia. Like, I don't really remember a time I didn't like doing it but like in middle school we both did quiz bowl where we just kind of competed against like other local middle schools uh high school we both were on it's academic so that's uh i guess for anybody that doesn't know that's a local high school uh just like kind of public access tv show there's a baltimore version and a washington dc version so we were in the baltimore one there's also a northern virginia version I thought that's just part of the dc one no, no remember the winners of all three leagues go up and go in that they oh yeah i forgot about that because we've never gotten that far <laughs> yeah we did it academic in high school and then i I got to college i went to one meeting of quiz bowl and i never went back because i didn't like it <laughs> um 
but so I, yeah like throughout college i've just kind of you know like watched jeopardy casually i'll just do like trivia online sometimes and yeah jeopardy i guess has always been something i've wanted to do so i was kind of surprised that i got on this young <laughs> It's funny you mentioned Collegiate Quiz Bowl because that's exactly the same experience I had when I went to NYU's first Quiz Bowl meeting when I was a freshman. I was interested in trivia and I went to that first meeting and it was very, it was a very unwelcoming atmosphere. They just jumped straight into like practice as if it were just oh, yeah. any other meeting and they didn't bother having any sort of presentation or any way to entice new students or freshmen to join the club. So I just didn't really like that atmosphere and it sounds like you had pretty much the same exact experience yeah and I remember I think I was only like one of three people who actually showed up to that meeting and the other two were like two guys who were probably like juniors or seniors they'd been there for a while and they just like jumped right into doing trivia and I remember half of it was like art history trivia and I was like I don't know any of this I am not having a great time and I never went back I also had like the same experience I think I went to like two meetings ever of CMU's quiz bowl Part of the problem was that it, they met at like 7 p.m. on a Wednesday, which is like the worst time for a club meeting. It's very inconvenient. And then also, they like I think there was only maybe like one other girl. I got like the vibe of it being like a boys' club. Um, yeah, I got that. And then too. I remember yeah, they were also not welcoming. Um, I remember there was this one time where like when I, one of the two meetings I was there, we were going through the questions, and there was one that the other team got wrong, but I knew it very quickly. Um, so even though we had the full length of the time to answer it. I still buzzed in before they finished reading the question because I wanted to just like prove that I knew something and I wasn't just like sitting here being a dead weight um, and I got it right but then they all like told me off for like oh you weren't you shouldn't have buzzed in like that wasn't that wasn't strategically smart you shouldn't have done that and that was one of the main reasons I was like great I decided not to come back yeah I feel like we're being kind of hard on quiz bowl here <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm, I'm sure if you're a fan of quiz bowl I'm sure it's great this is just our like one meeting experiences. I'm sure if we also had more quiz bowl experience, like, cause we didn't, we did a tech academic, not quiz bowl. Yeah. So if, if we went to a high school that did quiz bowl, we probably would have like had a good handle on like the format better. And then it would have, you know, been much easier to just like jump in. Yeah. Like I, I definitely like Jeopardy was a lot more similar to its academic than I thought it would be. I don't think Kira mentioned, but um, we've been having like an ongoing family pub trivia team for years oh, yeah. um i think we started i think the first year, freshman year of high school and mm -hmm. we were the mighty chondria but now our new name is reunite pangea actually last summer um our family trivia team kira can talk to this better because i was mm -hmm. in pittsburgh the whole summer so i wasn't yeah, able to so the team. let me let me cut in and explain that i guess but yeah we do trivia at this local restaurant nearby it's an interesting community that's me my parents and my dad's co-worker so I'm like it's a really interesting vibe but I mean we make a pretty good team because we were like way ahead of everybody else to the point that like we could have skipped a game and probably still been in the lead with like the number of points we had but anyway we made it to the there's like a local tournament afterwards with the winning teams from like other trivia locations and I remember I couldn't go I don't remember what I had I think I had like an orchestra thing that night that I like absolutely had to be there for oh yeah it was I had to run auditions and I ended up actually being there for like 20 hours that entire weekend so I couldn't miss it but yeah I ended up I missed the tournament we did not win so for all we know if I had been there we would have who's <laughs> to say 
maybe I was the factor that made us, or my absence is what made us lose. <laughs> Who knows? I gotta say, those team names, Kristen, you rattled off earlier are really good. <laughs> the Mighty Chondria, Reunite Pangea, I love those. I, ha I have to give credit where credit is due also. The team name Reunite Pangea was inspired by my friend Ellie. She got me a, a t-shirt for my birthday that has a picture of Pangea. And yeah, it just says Reunite Pangea because I am a geology nerd. Now, before I ask my next question, I'd like to give some of our listeners a bit of insight on what the Jeopardy audition process entails. As of recording this episode, to get on Jeopardy, you need to pass two knowledge tests, a mock game of Jeopardy, and an interview. The first step requires you to go on Jeopardy's website and take what's called the Anytime Test, a 50-question exam that you can take on any device at any time of day. However, you are only allowed to take this test once a year. If you pass the Anytime test, you'll be invited via email to take a second knowledge test over Zoom. It's practically the same as the Anytime test, only this time you're given less time per clue and a proctor is present to prevent any cheating. If you pass the second knowledge test, you'll be invited via email to the last phase of the audition process, the mock game and interview. The purpose of the mock game is to see if you're capable of following directions and keeping up with the pace of the game, while the interview is, to put it quite bluntly, a personality check making sure that up until this point you're not a complete robot. Afterwards, you're in the contestant pool for the next 18 months. If you don't receive a call or text from one of the contestant producers within that time frame, you're then allowed to restart the audition process starting with the Anytime test. The previous JNCC contestants on the show have shared similar audition timelines, but for our newer listeners, Kristen, could you tell everyone how you eventually came to be on the show? I actually don't remember what day I took the Anytime test because, you know, it wasn't like something I put in my calendar. I think it was like early 2020. And then... I got, my, I did my second test, like the one of a proctor um, on December 15th. And then I, my mock game was on January 20th, 2021. And then, you know, the whole kind of spring, summer, didn't hear anything back until I finally got a text from John on the, on September 15th. That was like, hey, are you free to call the next day? Kira, does your audition timeline completely overlap with Kristen's or was there some slight differences? So I actually took the first test before they even had the anytime test. So I'm guessing Kristen did too. I probably should have interrupted and said that. Um, but it was when they had like three dates and you had to sign up for them. So that was January of 2020. Then I actually got an email at some point, I think over the summer maybe, or like early fall about doing the like second uh, test over zoom and i actually missed the email and i didn't see it until probably like a couple weeks later so i sent like a panicked reply i was like freaking out like oh my god i'm so sorry i missed this i've had so many emails coming in with like everything moving online is there any chance i can still audition on another date and they sent they replied saying can you do like October 7th or something. And I, for some reason, replied saying, I have class. Is there another day I can do it? I should have just skipped class. Like, I don't know what I was thinking, but luckily they, they did get me in, which if you've seen my second episode, I remember I, like, I talked about it. That was on my 21st birthday. So great way to celebrate when you can't actually go out and like go to the bars or anything. So I did that second test October. It was a bit later, I think like November maybe of 2020 that I did, or no, it was December of 2020 that I then had the mock interview and like game. So the total process from like first taking the online test January of 2020 
had the mock audition interview, um, the mock game in December of 2020. And it was a little over a year later that I actually got the call to go on the show. So a little fun fact for our listeners, when I was in the audition process for the syndicated show, Kira was in the same Zoom call with me for the mock game and interview. And just recently, Kira made me aware of the fact that out of the nine people in our audition group, four of us have made appearances on Jeopardy. Me, Kira, Jeff Myers, who lost to five-game champion Andrew He, and Aaron Creed, who lost to 40-game champion Amy Schneider. I think that's amazing in and of itself. Do you know who else was in that Zoom call, Kira, by chance? What I did, actually, I remember right after the Zoom call, I thought, like, oh, I want to keep track of who was there so i can keep an eye out for if they get on so i wrote down their names and their like occupations so i would remember but i can tell you at least the first names of the other people i think that'd be, Mark, yeah that's fine stephanie caesar i might be pronouncing that wrong and elizabeth oh and grace so those those were the five other people as far as i know they haven't gotten on the show yet i remember stephanie in particular and she actually sent me a message afterwards she was so nice she talked about like training rabbits to do like agility courses she was the person where i was like i really hope she gets on because it was a really fun story for two siblings appearing on different variations of jeopardy i'm interested in hearing your answers to this next question how did you prepare for the show Kristen? why don't you start with this one since i feel like your contestant experience will likely inform what kira did leading up to her taping date that way it'll be easier for the listeners to have a natural reference of time did you focus on acquiring more knowledge, polishing some of your weaknesses, learning Final Jeopardy wager strategy? What resources did you use to maximize your chances of success on Jeopardy? Yeah, um, so I did a good mix. I kind of did like all of the standard things you might do. Um, I bought the Secrets of the Buzzer book. I didn't, I was not gonna, I didn't like, you know, pay the money to have like the really advanced like buzzer timer. Um, but I did watch the show, clicking a pen, trying to like guess when I thought the lights would be turning maybe. I think because I knew, like I couldn't see the lights and I knew that a lot of people went by sound. So I think I was buzzing kind of based on sound while watching. What I started doing was I opened up Anki and every single night after the game, or sometimes it'd be like the next day when I had time, um, I would go through and make flashcards for every single one or every single question that was asked. And then in my extra free time, I went back in to the college tournaments. Um, I'm looking at my Anki deck right now. In total, I made over 4,000 flashcards for Jeopardy. Holy. <laughs> but yeah, over 4,000 flashcards, both for everything that it aired from basic, from when we competed to when I got the call, and then three, four years back of college tournaments. So I was just going through those like every single day. I'm not sure if that helped me on the show. There was one flashcard um, that I had that was basically like, who wrote the pearl? And every single time I thought it, I was like, um, I thought it was Hemingway. And then every single time I flipped the card and I was like, oh shit, that's J.D. Salinger. No, wait, that's Catcher in the Rye. Sorry, wait. Steinbeck. I meant to say Steinbeck, sorry. <laughs> I I say that, remember. <laughs> um, and then on, I was asked the opposite of the question, Daily Double, where it was like, like you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was like, you know, the title object that's thrown into the water at the end of a Steinbeck book. And I was going through in my head a list of all the Steinbeck books I knew and I didn't. And then I didn't say the pearl. And then as soon as they gave the answer, I'm like, oh, shoot. Oh, I was, I remember you said a grape and I was dying laughing. You know, I, didn't, like, I didn't know the right answer either, but it just was so funny. I was like, cannery, I was like, of mice and men, there's a mouse. Um, cannery row, no objects. Grapes of wrath, there's a grape. Um, 
What's the other one? Eve's of Eden, no objects. So I'm like, it's probably, I'm going to say mouse or grape. And I was like, grape makes more sense. That was, yeah, that was so funny to me. I was like, I'm going to at least say a Steinbeck title object. So that's what I did for knowledge. And then I didn't really do a lot of wagering strategy um, for like the whole like wild card and like really in-depth wagering strategies. My whole plan was to like wait until it was almost time to start doing that. And then once we got the call about the tournament format because i wrote it all down so i like i knew going in what it was going to be like and I, as soon as i heard no wild cards i'm like oh great i don't have to try to study for that because i know some people put some effort into studying for wild cards i never tried because i knew i didn't need it i did look at i really the only thing i knew about betting was like if you're in first bet to cover yeah mm-hmm. i read online that in the event that we did have wild cards the, the safest amount that you could qualify in at least the college setting i read was thirteen thousand. so that's probably the score you'd probably have to aim for um, if you're ever in a tournament for wild cards. Yeah, statistically, 13,000 is like the safe bet to like get it. I, don't, I forget where I read that. Probably the Jeopardy fan or something like that. But um, yeah, 13,000 was like the likely range that you'd be able to move on as a wild card. Kira, how about you? Um, did you do anything different from Kristen or did you do anything similar? Yeah, so... I had about a month in between when I got the call and when I flew out. So in that time, I honestly probably didn't study as much as I should have. Like I've never been, I've never had good study habits my whole life. Online classes and COVID has kind of destroyed my attention span in general. So I, I did my best. I made some flashcards. I made flashcards of like some famous authors and like their most famous books. So I remember studying up on just like the big names and like the kind of most commonly talked about books by them. I made a point to study what I knew were my weak spots, but not like too weak to the point where I like would never learn anything. So like, I didn't bother studying sports because I know I'm not going to learn anything in time. I'm just so bad at sports trivia. I figured that's just going to be a loss. I need to focus on other things that I actually have a chance of getting. So I studied religion trivia because... For somebody who grew up vaguely Christian, I know like nothing about Christianity. And that's something that they ask about like somewhat frequently. Don't think it helped out much because I I had totally forgotten about this until I watched it again. But one of the things was like the it was uh the it was like the day after Mardi Gras, which is Ash Wednesday, and I just buzzed in and said Wednesday. <laughs> just Wednesday. But uh, yeah, religion, I studied up on art, because that's another thing that like I have some knowledge on it's not like a complete void like sports trivia is (laughs) so I figured I could learn a bit but I don't think it actually came up at all like definitely when I was on the show like after taping I remember I think I told Kristen and the rest of my family like I'm pretty sure most of the things that came up and like that I got right were things that I just already knew they weren't things that I'd studied yeah I probably should have studied more than I actually did but I think it worked out all right. I mean, the the question that I lost on was not one that studying would have helped me with because it was state, it was the state capitals and I have all the capitals memorized, like all of the states and US territories. And I just completely went in the wrong direction where it was like a, a large body of water, like the, uh, like the name of the capital came from a large body of water. And in my head, I was thinking like ocean, sea, bay, lake, like types of bodies of water and i did not think of names so 
that wasn't something that studying would have helped me with. <laughs> yeah, I think your strategy or what you did in preparation for your appearance in the show was similar to Liz, because I remember on the last episode, she talked about how she focused on her strengths, didn't bother focusing on her weaknesses at all. And she mentioned sports trivia as one of those things that <laughs> might have just been like a total loss and just like mm -hmm. stray away from. Um, but yeah, it's interesting um, to hear now two people that didn't want to bother with sports. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. historically speaking, I don't think Jeopardy players are necessarily the most versed in sports, but I just find that quite amusing. Oh, yeah. Also, uh, Kristen also mentioned like strategy. I did not really bother studying for strategy because just that's something I've always been bad at. Like I've never liked strategy games or anything like that. So really all I knew was like bet to cover whoever's in second place if you're in first. And both of my games, I was in first going into Final Jeopardy. So my first game, I bet like the amount that I would win by one if the second place person doubled, which he actually didn't. But that's what I ended up with. My second game, I think I was just like overconfident and I just was like, screw it. I'm going to bet 10,000. I'm not going to do math. But even if I had bet, you know, the strategic amount, I still would have lost, so I feel okay about that one. <laughs> so after all the preparation you did before taping for the show, what's a category that you absolutely did not want to see in your games? ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> the sports. Uh, yes, of course. I, I mean, yeah, I didn't want to see sports, and I didn't, so I was happy with that. Um, of the categories I actually got, there was one that was beer today, and I, I hate beer. I have never tried a beer and liked it, so I was not happy to see that category, but I ended up actually getting the, I think it was in the regular Jeopardy round, so it would have been the $1,000 question. I don't remember if it was in Double Jeopardy or what, but it was, you know, the highest amount. Um, I ended up getting it right, but it was not based on me, like, actually knowing beer. It was just an end of the alphabet one, so I was able to figure it out from you know, the first letter. Some of the categories that people historically hate, I'm actually a fan of, so. Like before and after? I love before and after. I know people hate it. I I love it. So I was kind of sad I didn't get it. I was so, um, triple rhyme time in the, um, Jaskarin, Sarah, and Max's game. I think I knew, like, all five of those, and I was like, I really want triple rhyme time. It was such a fun category. Yeah, I like the, um, the wordplay categories as well, including before and after and rhyme time. Um, mm -hmm. And it's funny you mentioned um, Beer Kira because for anyone that gets on the syndicated show that's under 21, I feel like Potent Potables, which comes up quite frequently on Jeopardy, would be a little hard <laughs> for someone who's under 21 unless you have experience with a fake, of course. But like, yeah, that's that's definitely a blind spot that people who are young got to gotta watch out for. Conversely, what's a category that you felt the most confident in and did it appear in one of your games? I got mythology. I was so ready for that. Um, I ended up getting one of them wrong, though, with just like a stupid mistake where it was Jason's ship and I knew it was Argo and I accidentally said Argonaut. So my bad for that one. The rest of them were all like everybody our age knows mythology, I swear, because we all read Percy Jackson. I'm always like surprised by like how little our parents know mythology because I because of Percy Jackson, I think is it is just like one of those things that like people our age know. If, if you <laughs> like to read, you know it. So yeah, when my parents don't know any mythology, or when our parents don't know any mythology, I'm always surprised. Yeah, I was hoping I'd get a category like, because they, you know, occasionally have like video game ones, or sometimes they have ones about like musical instruments, and I figured I'd do pretty well with those. But yeah, didn't get anything like that. 
Kristen, what about you? Of course, anything science would have been ideal. And I actually, um, I got anatomy and chemistry in both my games. I didn't do as well in anatomy as I would have liked. And then chemistry, I had the potential to sweep. So Emmy outbuzzed me on just one of them, but yeah. I knew all of them. And I felt really good about that one because even though I'm a bio major, I also, like at CMU, bio majors are practically chem majors for our first two years. And I really like chemistry and I, I miss it. <laughs> I haven't taken a chem class in a while. Now let's fast forward to taping day for both of you. Late November, 2021 for Kristen and late January, 2022 for Kira. You both played four different people across two games. For Kristen, they were Sebastian, Anna, Liz, and Emmy. For Kira, they were Tim, Omar, Jackie, and Nicole. Before you all stepped up to the podium, did you have any first impressions of your competitors? Were you able to size them up before you played against them? Or did you focus more on yourself and the game at hand? So um, as you know, Jarek, on our we were day two of quarterfinals. Mm -hmm. And in our, because we, we had, oh God, how many were 18 of us? Yeah. yeah, 18 of us plus the alternates in the Wheel of Fortune studio. So we kind of, there was like a stairwell in the middle. So we kind of formed, like put ourselves into two halves of the room. And we, there was the loud half and the quiet half. And me and you were on the loud half. Mm -hmm. um, and yep. then we all, Sebastian was also on the loud half. Um, so he actually was sitting, because, you know, with COVID, we were all, I think we all had like three chairs in between us. Mm -hmm. So, but he was like the, practically next to me. He was right behind me, I think. So when we were yelling out answers, like I heard what he knew and I heard what he didn't know. So I knew going into, I thought he was pretty good. Um, but I also knew that every single time anyone got like a, a daily double, every single time he was like, you need to bet it all. So I'm like, oh, Sebastian's going to get bet big. So I knew that coming in. I knew he was good and knew a lot. And I also knew he liked to make big wagers. Um, and then Anna was on the other side of the room. So I kind of had no idea what to expect from her. And then she was in a, she was really good on the buzzer. I was, I was, I think I had like 20% in this first round of that game on my buzz, on my box score for buzzing. But I made up for it in the second half. But yeah, so that was also really helpful with um, final where I, like, it was kind of scary. I didn't realize it until watching the game and seeing everyone comment online. But if Sebastian bet conservatively, he would have won because we both got it wrong. But luckily I knew what he was likely to do. He didn't bet as big as I would have maybe expected, but he bet big enough and it worked out for me and I won. Going into the semi, um, I hadn't really spoken to Emmy that much, but Liz was kind of one of the first friends I made. I think talking to Liz, I knew that she was really into pop culture. And then Emmy was a history major, so I knew that much going, going into the game. And also I knew they were both winners. So that said something about, you know, that they had what it takes to win a game. Kira, how about you? Were you able to talk to Tim, Omar, Jackie, Nicole beforehand? Were you able to get any ideas of how they would play what they were good at really the only chance we got to talk to people was when we were out on like a bathroom break or at lunch so i remember first of all i like my first episode was we did three in the morning two in the afternoon after lunch so i remember like tim who was the returning champion for my first episode he like he won in a runaway he did really well and I honestly don't remember like being scared at all because of that. I like, I remember, I think because I was just kind of like on autopilot the whole day, like m most people who I've spoken to who've gone on the show, I've heard just like, it's really all a blur afterwards. You're just like, like all the adrenaline of the day and everything. You just don't remember everything. But like, I don't remember being nervous because Tim had at that point, he had, I think had like the highest or, Maybe not the highest total so far, but he was the only one who won in a runaway. 
And I don't remember speaking to Tim that much either, like at lunch or anything. I did talk to Omar a bit at lunch. I think I remember he actually sat next to me. Um, you know, we were all like distanced apart, but I talked to him a decent amount. But my second day I had Jackie and Nicole. I talked to Nicole. Uh, she, yeah, she was great. She was nice. Everybody was so nice. Um, but Jackie, I don't think I talked to once. She was really quiet. But yeah, I honestly did not do a lot to size up my competition. I think because we also just like, you know, you guys were all the kind of like group of college kids. You like got to hang out like outside of stuff. And you were all kind of like, you know, just like one big group. We were just like all the people called into Jeopardy that day. We didn't really, I guess, didn't really have as much of a like cohesive group to the point that I could really size up my competition. I mean, we have a group chat now, so <laughs> But at the point, at that point in time, yeah, I didn't really know a lot about the other people there. Kira, you were kind of getting into it already, but my follow-up question for you was, are you still close with your taping group or stay in touch at all? You guys have a group chat of some sort, and it sounds like, well, you just said you do, but um, how often uh, do you guys talk? I mean, I mean, I know the JNCC group chat has kind of died down a bit ever since the, the tournament has aired, but um, how often do you guys talk? We did not stay in contact at all for a while. Like... I remember I followed Finn on Instagram and like, that was it. And I, I don't even use Instagram like at all. So I didn't really stay in contact with anybody at one point, I think maybe like a couple weeks before our episodes aired Omar, who got second place in my first game, he found me on Twitter. So we then like followed each other and it wasn't until like, I think a few days before the episode started airing that we managed to like find other people on Twitter and start a group chat. But we're we're like Jackie's number one fan club now. This whole time, this whole week, like whenever she's been winning, we've just been inside our group chat cheering for her and everything. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, it's only been a week. It's been less than a week since our episodes, you know, finished airing. It feels like it's been longer. But so I'd say we're still pretty active in the group chat. You guys rooting for Jackie sounds exactly how we were in the college contestant group chat rooting for Finn. We were like... Uh, posting lots of support and it was just great getting to see him play okay so getting back on track Kira one of the biggest talking points following your win against him and Omar was your insane buzz percentage revealed in the official box scores so get this everyone Kira's buzz percentage or the ratio of clues Kira managed to answer versus the number of attempts she made to buzz in was 80% and between both of her episodes her buzz percentage was on average 75% Knowing this, I have to ask, what was your preferred buzzer hold? And did you buzz in based on the lights surrounding the clue board or the inflection of host Ken Jennings's voice? I held my buzzer just like in my right hand, you know, thumb on top and just like my left hand kind of underneath that. So I know most of the super champs of the past have said they do sound. And I think like James Holtzauer is like the one exception where he did lights. I also did lights. I found that to be a lot better for me. I actually, like, when we did our practice rounds in the morning, I am pretty sure I did, like, really badly. Like, I only remember getting in maybe, like, twice before other people. So I was, like, totally surprised when I actually started getting in really fast in my actual game. I don't think I did anything, like, that different. If anything, I did, like, what most of the really good champions don't do, which is I based it on lights. But some people have drawn like they've mentioned the fact that i guess i i guess i would call myself a gamer <laughs> i hate <laughs> that but i play video games 
And I wonder if that might have helped with like reaction time. Who knows? I should clarify for our listeners who might not know, when you're playing Jeopardy, you can't buzz in while the clue is being read. You can only buzz in after the clue is read in its entirety or else you risk being locked out for a quarter of a second. Some contestants prefer to buzz in based on sound when the host is finished reading a clue, while others prefer to buzz in based on lights, which you don't see watching the show from home, but they surround the clue board and act as a visual cue for contestants to buzz in. So moving on, on the topic of hosts, between the two of you, you've been able to meet both of the current hosts of Jeopardy, Kristen in the JNCC, hosted by actress Mime Bialik, and Kira on the syndicated show, hosted by Jeopardy Greatest of All Time winner, Ken Jennings. While the time that we as contestants get to interact with the hosts is quite brief, could you share with everyone your experience with your hosts and perhaps some of the differences in their hosting styles? We didn't get to interact too much with Mayim, you know, because we were filming so many games a day. Like they were really just, you know, trying to usher us along. Mm. There was people on day one, quarterfinal day one, I know got to interact with her when the TV broke. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that. But yeah, we didn't get to talk to her a lot. When they were setting up our tiebreaker, we actually did have like a really long time. I think it was like time, you know, there's no clocks. I don't actually know how much time passed. Um, And I know like I was doing a lot of, you know, like kind of like jokingly teasing Liz, like wishing her good luck, but being like, but not too much luck (laughs) and stuff like that. And then Maya did, she was like listening to us. Like we weren't chatting with her, but she was overhearing and she did call me sassy at one point. Oh my god, that's funny. Um, Kira, any fun anecdotes about Ken when you were taping? I, I mean, yeah, we didn't get to talk to him that much because he kind of like came out on stage pretty shortly before we started filming and then, you know, like left after the episode was done. But I remember at one point, I think in my first episode, I don't remember the exact situation, but like we paused a bit, I think around when we were filming like the, the anecdotes, like the interview. And I just remember him making direct eye contact with me for like, I swear to God, like 30 seconds straight. And like, he just did not say anything, just like stared at me. And I was just kind of staring back like, hello, (laughs) I don't know what to do here. This is like the greatest Jeopardy champion of all time. Just like staring me dead in the eyes. He probably um, just like zoned out. And oh, didn't... probably. It was very funny though. Or maybe um, you shared a moment. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we made a real connection there. A connect. Um, Aha! I see what you did there. Oh, a connection. <laughs> I'll stop. Very funny. Yeah, I mean, I remember him him being pretty nice. I think after my uh, you know anecdote about my uh, video game orchestra, I think he said that like his kids would be a fan of that or something like that. So I'm like, fingers crossed, he checks us out. Mention him having to refilm your anecdote. Oh, oh yeah, he, he did actually have to refilm his like reaction, his response to my anecdote. Apparently he didn't sound excited enough, <laughs> <laughs> which was really funny to me. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm not that interesting. I mean, it seems like the internet liked it, but whatever. That's actually a perfect transition because my next question is related to contestant stories. So anyone who watches Jeopardy knows that at some point during the episode, the host interviews each contestant and asks them to tell a personal story of theirs on national television. What you might not know is that contestants are asked to provide a list of potential stories in advance. And from that list of stories, you're able to choose which to talk about so you aren't caught off guard when you're on stage. My question for Kristen and Kira is, what were some of the stories that unfortunately didn't make it to air? And is there any reason why you couldn't share it on TV? My little card with all my anecdotes is like 10 feet away. I'm going to go grab it. While she's doing that, Kira, do you have any? 
I guess I'll start by saying like before we went on the show, we were given this whole this whole word doc. We were told to put in like five of our own suggestions for stories to tell. And then we had a whole bunch of questions to answer. And they just told us like answer as many as you can. And it was all things like, what's your dream job? What like things about your college experience? And then a bunch of kind of pre-written questions for us to answer. So the five that were chosen for me, I remember were, you know, the the two that I told, which were, I'm the music director of a video game orchestra. And I started kind of the Jeopardy audition process, I guess, on my 21st birthday. The other three were uh, not as exciting, I guess. It was just that I started crocheting during the pandemic. And now I basically just hoard yarn. I have so much yarn just like all over my room right now, full of yarn everywhere. And another one was that I love playing music. I like pick up random instruments. I got an accordion uh, pretty shortly, like before we filmed. So I've been learning how to play that. And I think the last one, I think the last one might've been that I had a sister who was also on the show, but then they actually wouldn't let, like I wasn't allowed to talk about that. And no offense, Kristen, but that would not have been my first choice either. Because <laughs> I, I wanted to talk about myself. Um, but they actually, like, I guess just relating to that one is uh, that at some point John pulled me aside to make sure I hadn't told anybody Kristen was on the show because it was still like all, all supposed to be a secret who was in the college tournament. We also got the document, but our questions were like a lot more kind of, you know, centered to the college tournament. We're actually like before getting the document, you know, between that and the call I, in my head, like in like making a list of all the different anecdotes I wanted to share and none of them were college related. And then we get that thing. And in the five provide your own, it's like four of the five have to be college related. And I was like, ah, damn it. <laughs> none of mine are. Um, so I had to make up all these new ones all of a sudden. The ones I shared were Kilty Band and GMB. And then the others were also pretty boring. Um, one of them is I learned the art form of glow stringing which um, I took a student taught course with that two semesters, yeah, two semesters ago. Um, it was this kind of, Kieran and I went to the summer camp um, for many years and it was really popular there. And yet I never learned it while I was there, but one of our best friends from the summer camp, who was kind of like in charge, one of the people like, like one of the students who was like kind of, you know, made to be one of the people in charge of teaching it to everyone there. They happened to be at CMU and they were doing a student taught course for it and about to graduate. And I was like, well, I got to finally take it. I have to be a good friend and actually finally learn how to do it from them. And then one of them, um, career goals to be an OBGYN physician. You know, it's just pretty standard. Um, and then winnings, I wrote, um, it's supporting myself to volunteer during my gap year. That was more if I like win the really big bucks um, with 20K, it's probably, I mean, I'm still going to volunteer, but it's going to be a lot of just like, it's. I'm still going to have to work <laughs> next year during my gap year. That's going to be going to rent. Okay, so moving on to the games themselves, while I was looking back at both of your sets of games and trying to come up with questions about gameplay and the clues you were asked, I became more and more fixated on your final Jeopardies in particular, and it's because the outcomes of all four could have been vastly different had the wind blown the other way, so to speak. Let's start with Kristen. I know you talked about your quarterfinal final Jeopardy situation briefly, but... I'd like to revisit it. Only you and Sebastian played in Final Jeopardy since Anna finished in the red, and your category was recent biographies. First, let me ask, do you remember what went through your mind knowing how close the scores were in addition to the category reveal? 
I knew that Sebastian was an English major. So like books, like, oh no, he knows books. But also, you know, biographies. I also knew biographies could be anything. It could be about a celebrity and it's pop culture. It could be about a historical figure and it's history. There were so many kind of different things that that question could actually be um, that I really didn't, you know, start to worry too much because I, I just had no idea what to expect. So for those who didn't watch this episode going into Final Jeopardy, Kristen was in the lead with 15,200, while Sebastian wasn't too far behind with 10,200. They were both incorrect. Kristen wagered 5,201 and she dropped down to 9,999. Fortunately for her, Sebastian wagered 10,000, dropping him down to 200, giving Kristen the win. However, as Kristen pointed out earlier, Sebastian could have been the winner had he wagered no more than 200, which would have dropped him down to 10,000 and therefore beating Kristen by a dollar. And it just goes to show just how important Final Jeopardy wagering strategy is if you're ever on the show and find yourself in that situation, betting from behind rather than in the lead. When you're in the lead, the math is significantly easier as all you have to do, as we've mentioned it um, already on this podcast, is wager enough to beat second place should they get Final Jeopardy correct and double their score. Um, so moving on to Kristen's semifinal, I think it'd be remiss of me if we didn't talk about your tiebreaker clue with Liz, which was the first tiebreaker clue since January 22nd, 2021, the first tiebreaker clue in tournament play since June 26, 2019 in the teen tournament that year, and the first tiebreaker clue in a college tournament since May 19, 1997, and this is all from J-Archive. When Liz was on the show last episode, she told us about how she annotated an American in Paris for a music IB class in high school, which was how she came up with the correct response of who is Gershwin. However, you also knew this one. Could you tell us about your association or experience with an American in Paris? I think you tweeted about it shortly after that episode aired. Yeah, um, so Kira and I have both seen it. Um, we saw the touring production back in high school. We, um, Our family had season tickets to like the main Baltimore touring Broadway theater. So we went and saw every show that year and American in Paris was one of them. So yeah, we had seen it. And then um, I also had um, an ex-boyfriend who I dated for like two and a half years in high school who was really into Gershwin. <laughs> <laughs> Quite convenient. Kira, your final Jeopardy categories were Disney characters and U.S. city names. Let's start with Disney. Considering you were in the lead going into final against Tim and Omar, how confident were you once the category was revealed? Do you have an affinity for things Disney? Did you have any blind guesses just based on the category alone? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. The second the like category came up, I had such a sense of relief because I was like, I've never been like a, you know, like crazy Disney fan. But, you know, being a, like, young girl, I watched, like, pretty much every Disney movie as it came out. Like, we had a bunch of them on, like, DVD, even, like, VHS with some of the older ones. But so I saw Disney characters, and I, like, you know, already being in the lead, I saw the category, and I was just like, there is no way they're going to beat me on this. And, yeah, I was right. I mean, it, all of us got it right. I thought it was a pretty easy one. Like, all things considered, there were, like, really no other Disney princesses that it could have been. U.S. city names is, in my opinion, a much broader category than Disney characters. Where does geography rank for you in terms of your specialties? And can you recall your thought process again during those 30 seconds you had to come up with a response? Uh, so, with, for betting on that one, I bet pretty high because I, I'd say I'm pretty good with geography. Like, I have all the U.S. capitals memorized. I'd say I'm almost better with, like, world geography because, like... At some point, I worked to memorize, like, all of the world capitals, and I had, like, most of them down. Mm. 
So I bet pretty high. And when the question came up, which it was a like state capital in it was like 1845, I think was the year. Somewhere in the it 19th was, century, yeah. Yeah, it was named after a feminized form of a body of water. And in my head, I thought it meant like a type of body of water. So I was thinking like ocean, sea, bay, lake, whatever. And I thought like, you know, in other languages, which I mean, the only other language I speak is French. So like, I know ocean in French is like mer. So I was thinking like, capitals of like in that vein and we got close to the end and i was just drawing a blank so i just wrote down my own capital which is annapolis and i put a frowny face next to it to show that i i knew it was wrong i was just writing it down anyway hey, it's <laughs> better than it was, nothing you know yeah it's better than nothing like the other two i remember like i think jackie left it blank nicole wrote down like the letter a and then crossed it out so i was the only one who like actually put down an answer and you know, all of us got it wrong. It was a triple stumper. So it just all came down to how much everybody bet. But yeah, I don't know. I remember after it was like the correct response was revealed. I remember thinking, oh God, that should have been so easy. I'm sure my family is going to like make fun of me for not knowing it. But when we actually watched it back, I think my dad is the only one that got it right. So I feel a little bit vindicated by that. I didn't know it. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of like, past jeopardy champions saying just like yeah that was a weirdly worded question like i didn't get it either so makes me feel better (laughs) yeah it actually didn't hit me until i googled it and then i made the connection between atlanta and atlantic and i was like oh Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't think think throughout all that i actually said yeah the correct response was atlanta and especially like (laughs) i like a little sad about that is that like so the building that my like major my department is located in is the atlantic building i should have like i should have known the atlantic ocean (laughs) so i've just been saying to people just like yeah i forgot the atlantic ocean exists my bad (laughs) (laughs) not big enough it's not big enough to be memorable not big enough i also went to term when i was watching i also instantly i thought the same way you did i went to terms for bodies of water i'm like oceana bay like that's all i have about gameplay and clues so moving on what aspect of the contestant experience surprised you the most i'll go first and i guess i'll say this wasn't like completely surprising because i say like i wasn't expecting people to be like mean or anything um but i one thing i wasn't expecting i guess was just like the extent uh to which people were like so supportive of each other on set so like we were all congratulating each other and like cheering people like everybody when they lost like there were no sore losers or anything everybody was so nice and i remember so i i read the book by claire mcnear which is answers in the form of questions where she like went on the jeopardy set and everything and this was all before covid so i guess things were probably a little bit different then but I remember she said that most people when they lost like they had the option to stay but they decided to leave i'm pretty sure every single person stayed the entire day when i was there some i think there was one person who said they might like stay for one more game so they might have ended up leaving like for the friday game i was on stage so i couldn't actually see who was still there but as far as i know everybody stayed pretty much the whole time so just like yeah we were all just like cheering for each other the whole time it was just such a great like 
supportive environment. Uh, before before Kristen goes, Kira, based on what Kristen told you about her contestant experience in November, was there anything that you didn't expect during your time on the Sony Pictures lot? Or was everything pretty much the way she said it would be? Um, oh, one thing that I didn't expect, which is, um, which I think some people have like the opposite experience where, so when you watch Jeopardy from home, the clues like the answers all show up taking up your entire screen so they look really big but when you're actually on the set they just show up in like the little tiny box on the screen which is kind of far away so i've seen people saying like oh it's so much smaller than i expected it's so far away but Kristen had told me already that it was really small and like Kristen has really good vision. I have really bad vision. So I was really worried that I would like barely be able to see the screen. I would have trouble reading all the clues and I would just be going off of like listening to the host instead of actually reading it. But when I actually got there, I was like, oh, this is not nearly as small as Kristen made it seem. It was not as bad. So Kristen definitely kind of like scared me talking about that. I didn't have any trouble reading it, but like, there was someone I put into my practice game who sometimes wore glasses and sometimes didn't, and she had trouble reading it. So I was thinking about how you might be. I could read just fine. Kristen, was there anything about the contestant experience that surprised you? It was, it's like, not like a super serious answer, but um, I remember like reading in the Claire McNear book about how, like how the Jeopardy studio is freezing. So I made sure to like wear long pants and like cover up so that I would not be freezing. And then everyone else, like, I've talked to other contestants. I don't know about everyone else, um, but other contestants have like also said on Reddit, like, yeah, it was freezing, but I don't remember being cold at all. Me yeah, neither. Exactly. Right. You guys were also wearing sweatshirts, so maybe it was better for you. But like, I don't know. I was in just like regular business casual clothes. I felt fine the whole time. Yeah, maybe. I was expecting it to be super chilly and then it was OK. But maybe it's also like the nerves were like heating me up. I feel the same way. Like I never felt cold. That might have been because of the the equipment they were using might have been because of the sweaters we were wearing a couple of different factors it could have been but yeah I, I don't think I ever felt cold when I was on that set can either of you summarize some of the similarities or differences between the contestant experience for someone in a Jeopardy tournament versus a contestant who competes on the syndicated show so with the tournament it's a lot like cushier we had our flights paid for we had our hotel paid for they paid to transport us from the hotel to or from the airport to the hotel. And then, well, then also back when we left. And they also gave us per diem checks to cover all of our dinners while we were in the area. And then I think also the per diem check was enough that I think like, as long as you didn't go like crazy, you wouldn't use it all for dinner. So we were definitely treated in like a very kind of like, you know, very, it was very nice. They paid for a lot for us. So that's very unique to the tournament. You guys were like VIPs. And yeah. I was just one of like 400 some people. <laughs> Yeah. It was quite bougie. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> Is there anything else? Uh, I guess also our like kind of camaraderie of the tournament because we all, you know, like had a shared demographic. We we're all college students, you know, so that made it very easy to talk about like, oh, what do you study? Where are you? What college do you go to? And then also we had, you know, like we've mentioned on the days we weren't filming because, you know, there were days we weren't filming. Um, we all <laughs> got to, you know, like hang out and chat while watching the show. So I think that's also very, you know, tournament specific. Yeah, I definitely was kind of jealous for a while of like how close Kristen got with the other contestants when like, you know, me and my taping group, we did not stay in touch for a while. But now we now we have a group chat, so it's all worked out. 
So with the knowledge and experience you two share of taping for Jeopardy in different contexts, Kristen, would you have preferred to have been on the syndicated show? And Kira, would you have preferred to have been on the JNCC? I think it would have been nice to, you know, like get a shot and seeing if I'm good enough for the syndicated show. I don't necessarily know if it's true that our questions were easier. They were definitely geared towards the younger generation, but whether like they're easier, I mean, they definitely feel easier to us because they're kind of more levels, mm -hmm. but I don't actually know if like, I mean, if you asked it to someone who was like 50, they'd probably be harder. Um, I don't really know. But other than that, like, I'm definitely very happy to have been on the tournament because um, of all, you know, the kind of like extra perks we got and also all the friends that I've made. Yeah, I'm, you know, happy with going on the regular syndicated show also. I think the fact that like Kristen got on the tournament, I got on regular, uh, regular Jeopardy makes it like it's hard for either of us to really be jealous of the other for any reason because like we both won the same number of episodes Although I actually got one more correct response than she did. So <laughs> that's something. Uh, but Kristen had like the whole tournament experience also. I don't know. I think because we just had like different experiences. I think it worked out pretty well. It also seems yeah. like pointless to compare when you can't change it. You know, I'm not going to come out and be like, oh, I really wish I was on your show instead. You know? Yeah. Like I had a great time recording the way I did. So maybe it would have been cool to be in if if i had also gotten on college jeopardy but yeah i'm happy with how things went do you have any fun behind the scenes stories you'd like to share with our listeners maybe things they didn't get to see when the cameras weren't rolling something funny that happened to me um during our semi because i already mentioned it took a really long time to film because um we had to break for the tiebreaker but there was also like an extra 10 or so minute break because in the little hidden gap that we the little hidden break that we had that was edited out you know, we have those little water bottles that recently people have actually, you know, there's been some moments recently where someone actually takes it out during the credits, but I was drinking my water bottle and I accidentally spilled it all down the front of my shirt. So what they did was like wardrobe took me aside and like there were all these people surrounding me and like they were like having these little fans and someone had to run and go to like the hair department and grab a hair dryer. And they were just like all trying to dry this water off me so that I wouldn't have to go on set with like a clearly wet drip all down my front and I was super embarrassed about it but they told me that it also happened to Amy so that made me feel a lot better <laughs> oh man that's yeah. great here do you have anything similar think, yeah anything that I haven't already said um one kind of interesting thing that I guess worked out in my favor that happened was so in my first game we had two categories that just like verbally sounded kind of similar so there was fast cars or wait, no, sorry, it was classic cars and fast facts. So they both had kind of the same like vowel sound, I guess. So at one point, Tim, the returning champion said like, he said like classic facts for 800 or something. And they thought he said fast cars. The, the one that they thought he said was actually the daily double. So they pulled it up and I remember they like immediately stopped the game. They told us all to turn around so we couldn't see the screen. And what they did was basically just shuffle around where the daily double was. So after like a couple minutes, I don't know how long it was, um, they turned us back around. We ended up doing the clue. I think they actually had Tim re-record and say like fast cars, the category they had pulled up so that it would look like that was what he meant to say. And they pulled up the clue and we just like buzzed in like normal. And then... I said a different category 
and I ended up finding the Daily Double. So <laughs> I feel like I kind of stole it from Tim, even though he like found it by accident. And I had another, oh, another funny thing, I guess, was when we were putting in our wagers for Final Jeopardy for my first game, Omar, who was to my left, he kind of said quietly, like, this is the most money I've ever bet in my life. And I said, this is more money than I have in my bank account. <laughs> and I remember one of the crew members telling us to be quiet. Um, so that was just kind of funny to me that both of us, I guess, kind of gave away that we were making big wagers. I don't know. Um, I also It didn't really I, affect anything for me. I, I mean, I had that during my semi where like, I think strategically, I think the ideal wager would have been me and Liz did it all like we did. And I think Emmy should have bet all but one. So that if it was a triple stumper, she would have gotten fourth place, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, when we were like about to start making our wagers, I'm like, so we all know we're, what we have to do here, right? <laughs> and that was really, I should have said that. Shouldn't have I mean, said I, it. I don't think it affected how they wagered. I think we I think we did all know what we had to do there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was a little like, uh, I realized later, I'm like, oh shit, like would Liz have in any way not bet at all if I didn't say that? But yeah. no, I'm pretty sure she would have. Well, it made it very exciting to watch, so. It did, it did. My next question was, or is, rather, have you read any messages or reactions from randoms in social media? And if so, do you have, do you mind sharing some of the more memorable ones with our listeners? I can say that I, I mean, pretty much entirely seen, like, a pretty positive response, which I think was pretty cool. People seem to really like my anecdote, and I think the fact that I was like younger than everybody else the only other person my week who was younger than me was Finn because he's like a sophomore in college we had a pretty young week all around because uh, me here and Nadej were both pretty young too um but anyway people seemed to like me so that was cool I made just like one like random tweet just of like my own thoughts on something and it got like 200 likes and I'm like oh people are paying attention to me now online I don't know how I feel about this but the one of the only negative things I saw which was so funny to me I I can tell you exactly what the tweet was so I don't know what how you're with like cursing on this podcast no you're fine you go um, for it <laughs> said this bitch Kira's jacket looks like Steve Harvey the first season he hosted Family Feud and that is the only tweet on their entire account and it is so funny to me that it's like this is the only thing they've ever said is making fun of my blazer (laughs) (laughs) like wow okay thanks I guess it was a little too big I don't know and like the fact that the only negative things I've seen were like two or so people saying my blazer is too big like I'll take it that's pretty good not much was said about me my first game all the attention was on was not on me you know um it was on someone else yeah (laughs) so um I didn't like I had to I think at the beginning of the game some people found some stuff about me and it was all like polite and nice it wasn't that weird or funny and then in the second game there's one guy who like made fun of us for not knowing, he was like, they don't even know what NATO is. We all know what NATO is. We just, I had got, I got three out of the four words right in the acronym. I just missed one, but like he got 15,000 likes. Yeah. He was like, what does this say? What does this say about the state of like college education? I'm Absolutely like, nothing. So you, so you knew every single thing on College Jeopardy? Like you got all of them right? Sorry that I, and also like, you know, NATO was slightly more in the news when it aired than when we filmed. Yeah, that was really the only mean thing. Yeah, just like some other rant. I didn't get like a lot of weird stuff. Some people in our tournament got weird DMs. Like Joey has been, gotten like so many weird DMs. Um, yeah. But I pretty much got nothing. I think someone DM'd me 
and was like, I added you on LinkedIn because we have the same last name. And that that was it, really. <laughs> I did get a weird DM last night, actually. Oh. That was very funny to me, where it was somebody just basically saying, like, they keep seeing my tweets because they're on Jeopardy Twitter. And they said that they were drunk and, like, talked about the, like, taking the test. Apparently, they, like, <laughs> I don't want to reveal who this is that sent me a message, but they were just, like, like qualified for the teen tournament in the past. And was just, like, wow, like, and your sister was on, too. And it was just this whole message just, like, talking to me. And, like, I guess they, like, drunk messaged me on Twitter. And I haven't replied. But I feel like maybe I should. I don't know. Because it was it was a pretty polite message. It's very funny. Did any of your tweets go maybe like semi-viral or viral at all? Last episode, we talked about how Raymond's quote retweet of Kelly Leffler and Jaskarin's quote retweet of the president of UT Austin did numbers. So I was wondering if you encountered anything similar to that. I got Raymond, like 1,000 on my tweet making fun of the guy who made fun of NATO. But because he got 15K, it was nowhere near a ratio. Damn. <laughs> I think the most likes i got on something was probably oh it was actually yeah the the tweet i made that got the most likes it's gotten 200 i'm looking at it right now it's gotten 267 likes and it was just me saying like maybe i should have applied to this master's program earlier but at least now i can write about jeopardy on my application and i'm like i was just like kind of posting that for like my friends to see but like one of my professors liked the tweet i'm like thanks like i guess people liked this one i don't know why that one in particular like that got more likes than my like actual tweets about the episode itself oh that also reminds me um so kira and i the kira came up to visit me in pittsburgh the day before her first episode aired and we went out to trivia today together um and our team name was double jeopardy um, <laughs> and generally like you know i i was wearing my jeopardy sweatshirt i had kira wear my jeopardy jacket um she didn't bring any gear with her um and we were pretty much going unnoticed until when i went up there one of the people hosting trivia asked about it and then like every, there were 55 teams there so everyone else who was handing their answers at the same time was like oh wait you're on jeopardy and like suddenly like 10 people asked me about it and one person was like i liked one of your sister's tweets <laughs> thanks i have no idea who that person is um <laughs> when you went up on your own so yeah. I didn't have anybody talk to me about Jeopardy. I think they asked if I was on Jeopardy, and I was like, oh, yeah, and my sister's going on tomorrow. That's why we're double Jeopardy. And mm. then the person who overheard that was like, I like one of your sister's tweets. That's like the same energy that Raymond got when somebody complimented him about his ratio on Kelly Leffler. <laughs> that is amazing. And also awkward, but amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I had one tweet also get kind of like a lot of likes, and it was my retweet of uh the jeopardy fan like twitter account saying that kristen got 41 correct responses throughout her time on jeopardy i got 42 and it was just me in all caps saying i win I it's gotten like 200 likes one person replied saying like like holiday dinners are gonna get awkward and i'm like they're not but okay <laughs> Kira, I'm never gonna forgive you for answering one more question right than me. Yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna become estranged now. We're never gonna speak again. It's very sad. This is the last time we'll ever speak, actually. Ever since Jeopardy alumni have been following me on Twitter, I think before the tournament I had like less than 300. Now I have like 500, which is mostly just people who are fans of the show or have been on the show, which has pressured me to tweet stuff other than what I usually tweet, which is about either anime or video games. Um, so it's definitely uh, forced me to quote unquote up my Twitter game a bit and uh, shit post less. 
But um, I did tweet a disclaimer saying that if you're not into that, just unfollow me. I mean, I'm, ju I'm just here, you know. But uh, I definitely felt like our or felt obligated to like improve my tweet quality, I guess. <laughs> okay, so the last question I have for you two is what was the best purchase you made with your winnings thus far? And if you haven't bought anything of significance yet, do you have any future plans to buy anything that's quote unquote expensive? I haven't made any big purchases yet. I've been like um, a little more, you know, like willing to go out with friends and stuff, like go out to dinner more, go out and get drinks more than I maybe would another semester, especially because it's the last of college, you know, wanting to like go out with friends. Haven't made any big purchases yet, but um, I'm probably going to get a septum piercing when I graduate because I'm purposely, well, I mean, I like the look of nose piercings and also, you know, like I have an undercut right now, though I'm growing it out. And a big reason for the undercut is I want like an alternative look that I can also hide by putting my hair down for med school interviews. So with the septum piercing, you know, when it's time for med school interviews, just flip it up into my nose and none the wiser. I know Kristen and I have also, we've also talked about getting matching like Jeopardy tattoos. <laughs> I've suggested just like the J and like exclamation point from the Jeopardy, just like logo. It's just the word Jeopardy. I don't we know. We haven't actually made any sense yet, but we, we've talked about it. Yeah. I mean, I've kind of wanted to get a like tiny tattoo for a while. So Jeopardy is a good one to get. Well, I haven't bought this yet. When we were like in our mock game, you know, they asked you um, what you want to do with the money. And I know you, Kira, told me, because you did yours first, you're like, don't say loans. But because ours was college specific, they explicitly told us, like, other than loans, what would you spend money on? Um, so one thing I said was, like, a board game collection, because board games are surprisingly expensive. So maybe I haven't been playing, like, me and my friends haven't been playing very many board games recently, because we've, like, been busy. But once I, like, graduate and like go home and are around more people who play board games I think I'll start trying to you know like fill out my collection yeah for me well first of all I remember when I did my like mock audition which I don't know if you remember this Jarek because it was a long time ago but they asked me what I would buy and I said an accordion because I love I think I remember just, like, that like, random, sounds vaguely fun... familiar yeah yeah because I love getting like random fun instruments and I've always kind of wanted to learn how to play the accordion. Our family is Irish and there's a lot of accordion and Irish music and I don't know it's just a really cool unique instrument. Um, but the thing is I actually ended up buying one <laughs> before I got the call to go on the show so I was like well I'm not gonna buy another accordion. But yeah I haven't really made any big purchases yet. Earlier today I went to the store that I got my accordion at and I bought a new melodica which, if you're not aware, is kind of like a combination between a harmonica and an accordion. And I got, like, a fancy one because I need one for this Saturday. And I already owned a melodica, but it sounds like crap. So I got an actual good quality one. And I definitely would not have spent spent that much money on one, like, before going on Jeopardy. I'm also, I've been planning to get, like, a gaming PC. So other than that, I'm probably mostly going to use the money for, like... I'm hoping to do a master's next year. Um, haven't actually submitted my application yet, but if I get in, that's what I'm going to be doing. So I'll probably use a lot of the money for that. Gaming PC, definitely a good investment. I'm rocking oh, yeah. it right now, and I absolutely love it. Uh, so yeah, I'm planning it, for this to last me like at least five years. Oh, yeah. And it's funny that some of my friends were helping me like pick out the parts to make one. I was going to just buy a pre-built one, but they all know, like a lot of my friends know a lot about build building PCs, so... They're just going to help me out with that. Um, and one of them asked me what my budget is. And I was like, how do I say that I 
I can spend like kind of however <laughs> I want without revealing that I won Jeopardy because this was like only a few days before my episode aired so I was just kind of like uh I saved money from my last internship so my budget is flexible yeah let's go with that <laughs> also um for the money because Kira mentioned masters I'll be using a lot of mine as I mentioned earlier for gap year stuff I'm going home to Maryland and I'm probably even gonna be in the same town as where our parents live but I am planning on moving out. Not that, like, I would like, I like my parents, of course. We're very close. But um, I, my boyfriend's also from our hometown and we're long distance. We've been long distance for all four years of college. There's a decent chance we're long distance again for all four years of med school. So I really want to spend like our gap year, like I want to move in together and actually live like an adult couple, not just like us living at our parents' houses. Mm-hmm. So yeah, going to be a lot of housing and rent costs that we can live on our own. That sounds great. And uh, can't wait for the developments on the septum piercing and uh, twin tattoos front. (laughs) Definitely (laughs) give us updates on that. All right. With that, that brings us to the end of our interview. Thank you so much, Kristen and Kira, for coming onto the podcast to talk about your dual experiences on Jeopardy. I'm sure our listeners really enjoyed not only watching your episodes, but also hearing you reflect upon your journeys and unpack some of the secrets you've been holding. I'm sure you're already twinning in other circumstances, but I suppose you can check off appearing on Jeopardy as another one of those items. Congratulations. And before we sign off, where can people find you online if you don't mind sharing? I guess for like publicly, I may, um, Twitter probably. Um, oh, what is my Twitter handle? I think it's kdonigan99. I'd have to double check that. But if you, there are, I think I'm the only Kristen Donigan in the world, at least spelled <laughs> the way my name is spelled with an I, very important, T-I-N. And then also... I'm on Instagram. It is public now, though I might switch it back to private. I'm not sure. And then, yeah, other social medias I have are all private. So, yeah, I am. I'm public on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my username for both of those is cdonigan778. I only post on Instagram like once a year, though. So, Twitter is probably the best place to find me. Perfect. Thank you. And now this is when I close out the show by asking you to please rate this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. I just recently made the after show available on a few more listening platforms, including Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and Stitcher, in addition to Anchor, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So make sure to follow and subscribe for the latest episodes. I'm still a beginner in the podcast space, so please bear with me as I try to make the show the best thing can be for you all. I've been your host, Jarek Bruel, and I'll catch you next time on The After Show. Mm-hmm.